Thanks for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Becca Knopf, and she lets us in on her journey going to school in Ohio and how she got the opportunity to turn Cadence Farm in Sonoma, California into a satellite location for the Square Peg Foundation. Hope you enjoy. about breakfast that's my favorite meal of the day if i don't eat breakfast in the morning i get very upset same and yeah. i feel like i can last longer mm-hmm. so where did you grow up i grew up in san rafael in a little neighborhood called san venetia kind of right by the marin civic center my sister and i are about three and a half years apart and she went to horse camp when she was about nine or eight or nine and being the younger sibling I of course had to do the same thing and kept showing up and kept asking for lessons and was finally able to join their mini camp a little bit before my fifth birthday and then I've just done it since I've done riding since we (laughs) bought our horse from Vicky and Kevin Byers at Morningstar Farms we both taught there and volunteered there we leased horses from them We went to 4-H horse shows growing up, so a lot of my horsey experiences were kind of in a very safe insular space in Novato at a very horsemanship-focused, do-it-yourself, but supervised freedom. And then I had no idea about the show world or anything until I went to college. Where did you go? I went to a small liberal arts school called Otterbein University in Columbus, Ohio, just outside of Columbus. They have an equine business management program, as well as an equine pre-vet program and a vet tech program. And then their riding teams are all English riding teams. So there's a dressage team, IDA. There's the IHSA team, which is just the hunt seat for Otterbein. And then they have an eventing team as well. And I remember my college tours. I was visiting all these barns and I visited a few where I walk into the barn and the girls just turn around and give you the up down. I'm like, okay, not here. And I actually had gotten accepted to one of the universities. And we were sitting down at a conference table with one of the admissions officers for, or like one of the admin people for the equine program. And I'd already been accepted. They'd already placed me in the levels. And she was talking to me like, well, you only did 4-H, so if you only if you didn't get accepted yet, like we'll we'll have to do you know all these testing and things. Very talking down to me. I was like, oh, I've already been accepted. It's like I'm at this level for your guys' program. I just it left bad taste in my mouth, right? It was just the worst of the East Coast yeah. elite kind of stuff, you know. I, me, a California kid, growing up doing 4-H, doing everything, but nothing really great at one. You know, no discipline super well. So then going to Otterbein, the admissions office, they did a great job. They had my name on there. They'd obviously read my entire application. I go in, they're really interested about, you know, my yearbook experiences, because I loved doing yearbook in high school, and they had all these great questions. And so I go to the barn, we drive, you know, it's a 10 minute drive to the barn, and we drive in and it's this gorgeous, brand new, built two years ago. I walk in and they're the nicest people. We walk and say hi to all the horses and see some students tacking up. And they're just, oh, hi, where are you from? Oh, cool, welcome. Like very friendly, very sweet, nice horses, beautiful facilities. The interactions that I was having with everyone there was amazing. So I was like, well, I'm going here, this is done, cool. (laughs) 
I would have never expected to go to a school in Ohio growing up, like kind of heavy parents. <laughs> I didn't even apply to California schools, but I wasn't expecting to go to Ohio. And I loved it there. It was great. It was a great experience. Did so. you know what you wanted to do going there? Yes. I knew I wanted to do equine business management program. I did not want to do a pre-vet program. And I loved vet shows. I am not squeamish at all. I worked in a surgery clinic at Kaiser for a summer in high school. Like, I am okay popping pimples, lacerating things. I pull stitches out of horses' eyeballs. Like, I love all that stuff. But I just didn't want to be the one responsible for life or death situations. I did not want to be a vet. I knew that. But I did read a book called The Horse Boy in high school. I watched the movie and I was like, dude, this is super cool. What's this about? And it's basically about a family with a young boy who has autism and they go on a journey to Mongolia and it's their story of healing and acceptance basically. And then the dad, Rupert, kind of shares it into a larger mission and creates a program for students who have a hard time communicating using the horse. And I was like, that's super cool. I wanna do something like that. Or I wanna work for a nonprofit adaptive riding or therapeutic riding program and help them manage their horses and be the one to communicate to parents and you know make sure the vet comes out on the right days and help them schedule shoeing and farriery i wanted to do the horse managing aspect of a therapeutic riding farm so that was kind of always my goal so did you like ohio i liked ohio it's very different coming from the bay area and going to the Midwest. It was a really good experience for me. We're so privileged with just nature out here, I think, that's one of the things. There is nature in Ohio, obviously, it's just, it's such a different kind and you really have to seek it out. Whereas here, it's just bam in your face all the freaking time. So that was kind of challenging. I definitely missed the nature aspect of things and the diversity aspect of things. Not that Ohio isn't diverse, it's just the community I was in. But it was great. I would not have done anything differently, I don't think. How long was the program? It was a four-year as a Bachelor of Arts. Yeah, so I got my my Bachelor of Arts in Equine Business Management, and it was an academic-focused program, so it was not about horse training at all. It was, you know, the history of the horse. We had science classes, physiology, anatomy. We dissected horse legs. And then business classes, legal classes, equine law classes. And then I also did two minors, one in journalism and media communication, and one in studio art, uh, specifically communication design. So mostly on the computer, in design, Photoshop, stuff like that. And then at the school itself, because it was so small, there were a lot of leadership opportunities. So I was able to be assistant editor and then editor-in-chief of our school magazine. I worked on the school news website. I did Habitat for Humanity. I was involved with all three of the equestrian teams, obviously. So I held positions on the IDA team, the Intercollegiate Dressage Association team, my juniors and senior years of college. And then my senior year of college, we actually hosted IDA Nationals at my school, which was really fun. And I was part of a small group of seniors that extra hosted. So we did all of the preparing and sponsorship reaching out and it was a lot of work but it was really fun at the same time yeah did school yeah. come easy to you no i mean yes yes and no 
the social aspect and the being in class part comes easy to me the doing the homework outside of class I have a really hard time with and I was really really bad at like turning assignments in on time but I like the school environment I like talking to teachers and I like learning I like the hands-on experiences and I do like writing and I do like reading it's just getting myself to get quiet enough and focus enough and without distractions enough is really hard. So that was always my issue. There's always more fun things to do everywhere else. <laughs> I'm like, I can go talk with that person. I can go clean my room. I can go clean, you know, clean stalls or watch someone else's lesson at the barn. So that was really hard. But being away from all of my old friends and family, I think going so far away where there was everything was new helped a lot. I wasn't, you know, traveling back and forth every weekend like a lot of my peers. I had to stay in Ohio until Christmas break or until Thanksgiving break. And that was really helpful, I think, for my own focus in a way. Yeah. So Was that your first time moving away from home? It was, yeah. Yeah, that's a big move. Which was interesting. My parents are still in the house my sister and I grew up in, which is also interesting because my mom grew up traveling and moving a lot. So after you graduated, did you know you wanted to come back? I knew I wanted to come back to California and the Bay Area. My one grandma, remaining grandma, was still alive. And so I wanted to make sure I was around and I missed my own horse. My sister and I bought our horse when I was 10 from Vicky and Kevin Byers at Morningstar. He was a, well, we, we like to call him a lesson horse dropout. Uh, all my family is out here. So I came back and before I came back, I emailed a couple of therapeutic riding farms in the area. And my tagline was, I remember my tagline. It's like, it was like soon to be graduate seeking meaningful work. <laughs> Cute. Yeah, I was like, you know, I like, just told people who I was and I got two responses. One was from a therapeutic writing program that said they didn't need anything, but keep them in mind for the future. And the other one was Joelle. Uh, well, not Joelle. It was actually uh, another woman who was working for the program at the time. She responded back to me and she's like, here are six questions. You know, have you ever written thoroughbreds before? What do you know about autism? And I, you know labored over my answers and emailed them back and she's like great you're gonna have a conversation with joelle this day this day and i remember being in my room at my house in ohio and calling joelle up and the first thing joelle says is oh my god i am just itching like crazy i have patty our dogs they were up in the the poison oak all of yesterday and then they slept in my bed and i have I'm itching where you don't even want to have itches. I have rashes breaking out everywhere. And I was like, oh no. I was like, this is funny. Like what? Do I, I don't even know this lady. I don't know this lady, but she's telling me she's got rash, poison oak rashes on her butt. So this is hilarious. Um, and we just had like a 30 year, we had a long conversation and I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm excited to know more. My friend and I drove back from Ohio. She joined me and we drove, you know, the Northern route. So through Idaho and, Montana and then south from Seattle and I had like a week or two with her in the Bay Area doing touristy things because she was from Ohio she'd never been to California and then I dropped her off at the airport and I go from the airport straight to Square Peg in Half Moon Bay and I arrive and I don't even meet Joelle until like four o'clock that afternoon because she's doing some sort of TV interview thing with the TAA the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance and 
so they're like here's a pitchfork we're gonna go clean some stalls i'm like cool we can do that so i'm cleaning stalls and one of our volunteers is with me in the stalls and she was in high school she was you know 13 or 14 she's like asking me questions oh wow so you wrote you know here i am like oh yeah i just got back from college <laughs> like just showed a bunch i was on the nationals team i was like tell them all about my college showing experiences and they're like wow it sounds really cool and looking back now i'm like oh my god thank god they stuck with me <laughs> but i mean by the end of the day i was in a tutu i had taught one of the teenager lessons and it was, was really in a tutu i was in a tutu why i mean why not i mean our kids they <laughs> one of the things we do is to make ourselves seem silly mm, okay. for the kids and so i think someone like handed me a tutu and like here you need to wear this and i was like okay put it on and we just like were running around the hills with one of the kids looking for invisible dragons or something as you do and it was just really fun i just remember being like wow that was exhausting you know i'm running around in a tutu and these 15 year olds are cleaning three stalls for every one of mine and then i have to teach them and these were really really nice horses too they're all gorgeous retired thoroughbreds with giant ankles on them but they were happy and weird and funny and they could do all these fun cool things they were doing tricks left and right and teenagers polar wrapped their horses better than i had ever been able to before i was you know 20 and i was like okay this is cool i remember driving home being totally exhausted but also like oh wow that was fun did you get the job that day or you didn't know or i don't know i think i was oh they were doing a fundraiser the next week and so i think i was invited to come and help out at the fundraiser at the menlo circus club and i was volunteering that day at this event and i think i came out the next day as well to the barn i think that's when they offered me the job i've been working with square peg since 2015. it's gone through a lot of really cool phases and i'm really excited for our next phase and tell me a little bit more about Square Peg and what it is. So Square Peg is an adaptive horsemanship and horseback riding program. We work mainly with people on the autism spectrum, but also just lots of neurosensory and neurodivergent folks. Most of our horses are retired racehorses and they've had prior careers on the racetrack. Some of them are old campaigners or war horses and some of them raced once or twice and didn't do so well. Some of them broke down in training before they even got to the track. Some of them didn't even ever make it to the track and don't even have a lip tattoo. We are a Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance accredited organization and we have been since the TAA's inception, which I think was 2014 or so. And it's just a fun program. It's really great. It's silly. It's we're very serious about our horsemanship. We have a lot of fantastic volunteers, lots of really cool, you know, 10 to 82 year old volunteers. And then we have a job training program for adults on the spectrum or neurodivergent individuals. And then we also do programming for San Mateo mental health services. We've done some programming with the community wellness organization at Kaiser. We can kind of adapt to whatever is needed of us at the time. Up here in Sonoma, where we now have a secondary location, a lot of my students are actually homeschool students that have experienced traumas or had really hard time in the school system since, you know, the fires and the pandemics. So most of my students don't necessarily look like they're struggling, 
but they've suffered from panic attacks or they were highly depressed for the last couple of years. So just giving them safe space to explore their emotional states and to learn how to advocate for themselves and give them opportunities to challenge themselves in a way that if they need to, they can say no. Do you feel like what you're doing, if yourself prior to college were to see where you are now, that this is where you pictured yourself? Yes. And I say that with a question because I have never thought of that before, but probably. I think I got to where I am now quicker than I expected. So for ref for background on that, I run the Sonoma location of the Square Peg Foundation. So we now have two locations, one in Half Moon Bay and one up here in Sonoma. Before our Sonoma location at Cadence Farm existed, I was a working student at Cadence for a woman named Susan Palmer, who is a gold medalist dressage trainer. She had her own boarding business, she had her own training business up here at this facility. And in 2017, while I was her working student, my sister had been her working student since like 2007. So we had known her and her family and this farm for quite a while. And she had kind of introduced us to dressage and she had really fostered that excitement in horse training, I think, in my sister and then through my sister, me. My sister went back to school for chiropractic and I came back from college. I wanted to continue educating myself in dressage speci specifically. So I started as a working student for Susan and I also became, later became like kind of her groom. So I went to CDS Nationals down in LA. I went down there with her and helped groom her horse Leo one of his first big shows that was very fun. And I was able to compete her upper level Grand Prix horse Luke at third level once got one sixty percent huzzah Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Uh, my only my only actual registered score i have at indersage still one still one and then so in 2017 she actually was diagnosed with lung cancer and passed away very quickly so she was diagnosed in like may passed away in september and it was kind of a it was a big shock to her whole barn community. There was about four boarders left. And I remember getting the call from one of her clients that she had passed away and I was about to go into a lesson at Square Peg. And I got the call, picked it up, and went into one of the horse's panzer's stall. And Francine told me, and I just, you know, sat in the stall for a minute and started to cry. And I left the stall I told one of our, my student, I was like, I'll be right back. And if I'm not back, Lauren will be here. One of the other employees at Square Peg. And I knew that Lauren and Joelle were having a meeting up in Joelle's house. So I walk across to the house and I go in. I just remember like coming in and start crying. And both Lauren and Joelle just start crying. And they're like, oh no. And I was like, I have to go. And so I drove from Half Moon Bay up to Sonoma. I got here at the farm and I just remember it was, you know, the four clients and I just standing around with the horses, not really knowing what to do. And a couple weeks later, her husband had a conversation with me and was like, we don't plan on selling the property. We'd love for you to continue to stay on helping us manage the horses. And if you'd like to do something in the space, let us know what you'd like to do. That's on the table. God, I took like, I know, how old was I? 2017? So I was 24, 25. I was like, 
what 24 25 year old knows what they want how to do anything yeah. right like so yeah so i was like while i'm driving you know you know how on 19th right after the golden gate park before you get to the little tunnel that section i remember almost every single time for about four months every single time i was on that section of the road i would just start sobbing going up to cadence i'd be like okay we're, we're doing fine we're like listening to harry potter on tape or something <laughs> there's like you know background music or just keeps me calm and all of a sudden i hit that spot and it would just whoosh the tears would come like God, what am i gonna do i have no idea and every every couple of days it was something different i was like okay do i want to open my own writing program do i want to have square peg do i want to like run my own square peg but without all my people down here like god that would suck but I think I could do it. Do I want to just do a training business? I could, you know, stop working with kids. I wouldn't have to put on any tutus anymore. Wouldn't have to? Like, that doesn't seem right. Like, you know? So it was just like a lot of iterations. And it wasn't my problem to solve, but it was an opportunity that I needed to really think carefully about. And I wanted to do it right. I think it was end of February. I came back from being a chaperone on a high school service trip to Nicaragua. <laughs> which was it was a service trip I had done in high school a couple of times and then one of the my old counselor reached out to me and was like hey you want to do it and I was like sure why not yeah and this is after she had passed this is after yeah so this was nine months later realized I was like I really miss square peg and I really miss having that all the time in my life and so I talked to Joelle and I was like hey Joelle can we go get dinner and she's like yeah sure so we go to a little Italian place in Half Moon Bay and we sit at the bar and we each have a glass of wine and literally on a napkin she and I come up with the like outline of how it would look how much money we would need you know it would be me and maybe one other part-time instructor like which horses I would take and just kind of the bare bones of what it would need to be it was on a wine napkin it had a little <laughs> I, yeah it had like a little wine stain on it and we're like okay we can do this I think a satellite program wow that'll be fun and Sonoma, man, Sonoma's beautiful, but we don't even know the clients out there. I didn't even live in Sonoma. I didn't know anyone up here. So we officially opened the satellite program in July of 2018. And in August, we had an open house, which was really fun. And that first year, I remember being so lonely <laughs> because it was just me and I was like trying to find clients, but also trying to train the horses. And I still had two of Susan's young horses up here that I was trying to train and work with and like had thoughts of being able to compete because I was like, yeah, I still want to compete. Sure. I don't. Over time, people came and helped. And then eventually we got a fantastic group of people that start being more consistent and some really great clients and really great students and people from Half Moon Bay would come up if they lived in the city and instead of going to Half Moon Bay they would go to me so it started to grow a little bit but it really wasn't until the pandemic surprisingly that we got a lot of people and a lot of the kids came out and our volunteer group basically quadrupled in size but that whole time, we were also working with an organization called Audistry Studios, which is an adult program that works on building their clients and helping them be more independent, more successful in their social interactions and stuff. They do college courses, and this is their location for their job training program. They have two groups that come out two days a week and do like four to six hours of work, and they're phenomenal now. And they all handle the horses, and they sometimes help me do some 
simple trick training and stuff and they clean stalls with me they help feed they're great and they bring a lot of energy and purpose to the place and to the location and you know there's still photos of susan and her horses around the farm and every so often people are like who's that and I get to tell the story again, which feels really good. So you ended up moving to Sonoma, though, at some point. I did. <laughs> Actually, while I was in Nicaragua, my long-term friend, since like I think I was two years old when I met her, she called me and left a voicemail on my phone, which I only listened to when after I got picked up at the airport. We're driving south, and my friend Winona calls me up, and she's like, hey, we're looking for a fourth person for this house and I don't want to live with three dudes and I'd really love you to come live with us. I'm not really sure if you're moving up in the area at all, but let me know. So all of that happened, like, you know, us deciding we were going to do a square peg satellite in Sonoma, me getting a group of people to live with in Petaluma, all of that happened in like a week. You know, when things happen, they just kind of align and they perfectly happen. So that's what happened. It was great. What's your goal for square peg Sonoma? Oh, my goal for Square Peg to Sonoma is to become a stronger, more available space for the Sonoma Valley community. We have some fantastic volunteers and clients that have been coming to us for a while. I would love for people to know who we are and to be excited about the work that we are doing and be excited to share about the work that we're doing and feel like this is a place that they can come to if they ever need to. However that looks for them. Because we are so flexible and we don't do one thing, we can adjust to people's needs in the moment. And for Sonoma, those needs particularly have shifted and changed a lot with just everything, with fires and pandemic and... Ever evolving. Ever, <laughs> everything is ever evolving, right? So, and I'm sure as, you know, in the next couple of years, proceed we'll see more with climate change and we'll see the community shifting a lot i mean it already has during the pandemic there's a lot more people here from san francisco there's a lot more second homes out here people are moving away so i think it's gonna shift and change a lot for folks we are really working on making sure we're a culturally and bilingually diverse place so making sure that we can address the needs of the Latino and Hispanic community as well is really important. Hispanic families don't often feel accepted into spaces where there are special needs services. So just making sure that we're accessible to all people is really important for me and to this barn, I think as well. And we've done a really good job. So making sure that we are hiring the right people and bringing the right people in to help share this space is, is kind of my long-term goal is that we have enough people on staff and we have enough volunteers that can give all of our clients someone to relate to. Have you thought about how proud and happy Susan would be about this being on her property? Yes. It's funny. So I still teach one of Susan's clients from her time. Even, I mean, she taught at Golden Gate Park back in the day when there were still horses there. So when she was teaching at Golden Gate Park, her one client, Cecily, started riding. She was, you know, in her early 60s at the time. She had just retired. She was told that she should not ride until she was retired. And so she started riding after she retired. And when Susan bought this place, Cecily still came out and rode out here. 
and I still teach her twice a week. We walk trot and canter most days. Sometimes she's like, you know, it's a little too cold for me to canter today. I'm like, that's fine. She still rides her horse that she's been riding for 10 years, who is was Susan's lesson horse, Sage, who now has one eye. And we talk about it a lot. And so it's really nice to be able to like keep her, Susan's memory alive through Cecily. And I think Susan would be very surprised and also impressed at the enthusiasm from the kids to put the work in. And I remember having multiple conversations with Susan and she really wanted to bring in more kids to her program. She really wanted to teach more kids. And me being younger, she's like, well, how do I, how do I get those kids in? I was like, I, I don't really know. Like, I've always worked at Barnes that already had kids. So it was pretty straightforward. You just, you had kids, you bring kids in. I think she'd have a lot of fun teaching a lot of these kids that I have as well. A lot of the volunteer kids who ask a million and 10 questions while you're feeding out hay at night and you can barely finish one question before they ask another, she would have loved that. It would have been great. And also, I mean, she was always a trainer who would, first of all, she hated drama. She hated drama in her barns. So she would kick people out if, there were, if they were dramatic. And so the fact that this is, all the kids are on a level playing field, all the horses belong to square peg, I think she would appreciate that. There's, there's no drama here. We don't, we don't do drama. We do fun, we don't do drama. She also was good at keeping horses that had prior injuries or prior traumas in their bodies or in their minds. She was really good at keeping them happy and safe and sound. And the fact that most of our horses are retired from other careers, have had traumas in their life, were retired from the track, and we can keep them happy and learning and having fun and giving new purpose and giving new opportunities to other kids. I think she would be very happy with that as well. If someone wanted to get a hold of you about mm -hmm. Square Peg or to chat with you specifically, mm -hmm. how do they do that? Text me. <laughs> <laughs> I hate email. <laughs> um, but you can email me. Yeah. Or find DM me on, I run the Square Peg Instagram account at the Square Peg Foundation on Instagram. So you can DM me and I will be the one to respond. And then what's the website and or Facebook for? The website for Square Peg is www.squarepegfoundation.org. And our Facebook is at the Square Peg Foundation. Cool. Mm -hmm. So, what is something you'd like to see evolve or change within the community, and how can you help with that change? There's a few things. One of them is to bring kindness back into a lot of the interactions between, you know, kindness from clients to their trainers from trainers to the horses, from, you know, clients to their horses, from parents to their students, you know, parents to the kids, just bring a little bit more kindness. It's just nice. <laughs> it's just good manners. And something Joelle always once said to me really stuck is, I was having a really hard time with a parent or something. And I just wanted to yeah, rip their head off. And I was like, why would you talk to your kid like that? It's so messed up. And she's like, well, what's the kind reaction? And that stuck with me is like, okay, every interaction I have, whether I'm frustrated or tired or upset, what's the kind reaction? Because nothing good's gonna come out of a volatile reaction. 
especially nothing good with the horses. You're never gonna get the response you want from a horse if you have a volatile reaction. Take a breath, take a step back, give yourself a minute, and then come back to it. And the other one is, I would love, I mean, it's hard, I know that, because especially in the Bay Area, land is really expensive. I'd love to see more of our own horses turned out with their friends. The three Fs, friendship, fodder, and freedom. Horses are social creatures, humans are social creatures, we need good nutrition, we need tribe, we need community, we need social life, we need friends, and we need freedom of choice, right? We need to be able to explore our own interests and explore our own curiosities. And if we can honor that and give that to humans, we have to give that to our animals as well. A lot of times I have to talk with the kids again as like, no, don't worry about moving that horse too quickly. Let them look at the thing. We don't want to scold them for being interested in something. The more curiosity they show in a new thing, the less fearful they're going to be of that in the long term, or the less fearful they're going to be of something new later on. So allow them the freedom to look at it. Give them a second. Give them a snack. Eventually they'll get over it. Or they won't, and then you get to deal with it. But give them a second. A lot of times, you know, we forget that we only take our horses out for an hour a day. They have 23 other hours that they're doing other things, thinking other thoughts, snacking on other snacks, right? So just keeping the horse as a horse and as a reactionary animal and as a being that needs very specific things friendship fodder and freedom right social life good food and areas to move that would be really great if people could give their horses more friends the more friends you have the more support you feel and that's true for horses as it is for humans and we learned that quite extensively the last year and a half two years didn't we all isolated in our own houses alone how are you implementing both of those things well i here in square peg we don't have a ton of land but we do have enough dry lot paddocks and enough bigger pasture areas for grazing that i'm able to put horses out in small groups pods you know two or three or four horses in little groups together and those groups change i don't keep them the same because i try to make sure that no one gets too attached to each other i know which horses are going to get along better like danny and skiff they get along better because neither of them want to pick fights. They just want to hang out. And every time they go out, it's lovely. No drama. Put Patrick in with someone. Make sure that that horse wants to play rough. That's fine. Or can uh, tell Patrick to bugger off if he needs to. And we, you know, we feed a lot of food to our horses and try to give our horses as much opportunity to be out as much as possible of their stalls. I mean, there's so many limitations to everyone's own barn system that you can only do what you can do, but the more you try, the more you'll get out of your horses and the more your horses will show up for you and for themselves as well. And yeah. with your first thing, with kindness, how are you doing that? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just show up, be kind, right? It's not that hard, I don't think. Well, for instance, I was having a really bad day one time. I was riding in the arena with other kids and one of the horse I was riding spooked. I got really mad. 
you know, when you feel like that bubbling anger in your stomach, you're like, God, why would they do that? People are watching right now. I'm trying so hard to be cool. And I got so mad and I all of a sudden realized how mad I was and how like aggressive I was feeling. And I got off the horse and I walked out of the arena and everyone's like, wait, Becca, where are you going? I was like, I'll be back. And I took myself on a timeout walk with the horse. I walked down the road and came back and I was like, I'm sorry, you guys. I did not like that. I never want to see any of you guys riding with that aggression in your body I just had. I'm taking myself off the horse today and with someone else, one of my students, I was like, would you like to ride, you know, skiff now? Sometimes you can teach better than you can ride, right? Depending on your mental state. So there's like opportunities within myself that I'm able to show that like, be kind to the animals, even when it's the hardest thing and take yourself out of the equation sometimes is the kindest thing or to pause like you took that time to go walk it off for a second come yeah. back have a little pity party by yourself yep. go cry down the street and come back <laughs> don't get back on the horse if you're still feeling that way if you know you're too tired just just do something else i know that's hard because a lot of people you know have to get on a certain number of horses a day to make sure that they're making ends meet but there there's a lot to be achieved on the ground as well and that's just like a horse example there's so many other human examples like i don't know just put your shopping cart away that's a kind thing don't make the people walk across the parking lot <laughs> right yeah all those little things i know it's just like little things like the more you put out good energy into the world and kindness into the world i think really truly the more you receive even if you aren't asking to receive things that will come back to you in really cool ways cool well, thank you. Uh, okay. Anything else that you want to bring up? Otherwise, I think we're done. Okay. Yay. Cool. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke. Don't forget to follow on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Like, comment, and share on both Instagram and Facebook. If you or someone you know wants to chat with me, please email stableconnections.sb at gmail.com or visit stableconnectionsthepodcast.com. New episodes will come out every Monday morning starting January of 2022. See you next week.